0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beale. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal.
2: We are back with Dr. Jenny Easton in Frisco, Texas. This is Ann Beal. Welcome back, Jenny. Hey, Ann. We are following up on our talk last week with Dr. Easton when we went into a lot Mm. about her life with her family and in college and all the way through where she is now, Mm -hmm. Um, coming through uh, her dad's alcoholism addiction, Mm. grief through the infertility Mm -hmm. struggle and losing six children Mm -hmm. and um, coming out of that. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to follow up with you today Mm -hmm. uh, because you said that you went through depression with Mm -hmm. that and came out of that. And so part of the exciting thing for listening to you was how you've come through it, Mm -hmm. how you've done so well, so that you can encourage people who struggle with infertility, grief, depression, Mm -hmm. and coming through addiction, which Mm -hmm. your dad did when you told us he, he got sober yes. and all that. So yes. it was such an exciting talk. We just didn't get to a lot of the tools yes. that you used to get through it and how you did that. Mm-hmm. Because people will listen and be like, okay, great. How did she do that? How is she doing so well? Yeah. Um, what is her, what motivated her back then? What mm-hmm. got her to the place? Mm-hmm. And so we'd like to pick up there. Yes. And um, just start with you where we left off mm-hmm. um, with your dad. Mhm. And he was at the birth of your first child? Yes, yes. And he was sober? Yes. Um and then you went through after that that he got the cancer. Yes. And died 40 days later. Uh I think it was something like that. 20 something days like that. Well, and that's very heavy. Yes. All of that that you have talked about I have so many people who've had questions. Um, Mm. A lot of people just said they really loved the show last week. But we had some detailed questions, and we had some people that just were amazed at um, how you were able to talk about everything. Mm. And truly, you know, men are funny because it was men said, um, usually when they hear these hard kind of things Mm -hmm. from a woman or anyone, Mm. they change the channel because it is um, heavy Mm. sad, crying, or angry, Mm. bitter, resentful. And there really wasn't any hint of that in you when you were talking.
3: Well, um, I certainly have dealt with, and I think that's the key right there, I have dealt with those emotions. And that's really what I came to is the the decision that either those emotions were going to deal with me, or I was going to deal with them. And so I have tried to make decisions at every point that I could live with. And one of the decisions was I received counsel. I, there came a time when I was maybe in my late 20s and I was in my dad's presence and it became incredibly uncomfortable for me to, uh, to be there. I was just, it was like below the surface, just brimming. And, and so at that point I said, if I have this kind of anger, then I need some serious help. And so, you know, I dealt with the anger and, and that's something I didn't talk about last week, but I did what they told me to do, which was grief work. I grieved the father that I never had. And I actually wrote him a letter and gave it to him. Wow. And it said things like, I forgive you. I forgive me. I forgive us. We have all done the best that we can with what we've been given. And so I just want you to know that I love you. I accept you unconditionally. I want more for you. I wanted more for me. But I said everything that I needed to say at
2: that time um, and then handed it to him. Did you talk about mm, maybe where he failed you, where the anger came from? You know, that, did you deal with that with, in the letter? That would probably be a really good question because people would probably be like, what are you putting that letter? Mm-hmm. And just jumping to forgiveness, which we'll explain a little bit about mm. that in a minute. Um, did you kind of let him know where he let you down? Maybe that's a better word.
3: I think he knew he had let me down. So the letter was, you know, primarily, um, you know, Dad, I know that you have a problem. And I have known that for some time. And I have gone through extensive counseling and understand what it is that I have missed. And I'm so very sad for you. I am so very sad, for me, and yet, I want to tell you now that it is my choice to forgive you and to love you regardless. And so, it wasn't a kind of, kind of letter that that was meant to shame him further. Right. There, I had a conversation with him at one time, and and I said, you know, uh, when are you going to come to the point where you? realize this has had such a heavy effect on your mother and I. I said, I'm just absolutely done with it. And it was so unlike me to speak so pointedly to him because he had a way of kind of shutting these conversations down. And so um, when I finally got to that point, I think it really shook him up. Because I had had it. I, I was angry, and I was able to express that. But I did a lot of behind-the-scenes work in counseling. Um, you know, they they have you speak to your dad as if he's present in the room. And when I began
2: to do that, I could barely utter a word. That is fascinating mm-hmm. because um, we have people do that. And and even in coaching, it's something that we have to do. Even if if the person isn't there with a picture Mm -hmm. and just say what they need to say to them. That's Um, it. Whether they scream or or whether they cry or just talk. And it is very freeing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the letter, what was important in the letter, and one Mm -hmm. of the reasons it may have worked, and I know you're going to get to that, is that you didn't shame him. You didn't want to shame him. You wanted to. You wanted healing for yourself. Yes. And you wanted to maybe affect change in him.
3: I did, but I was not under the illusion that giving him a letter would affect change. I mean, I had begged him <laughs> yeah. um, before to to quit and to try to see the consequences of his actions. At that point, I understood this was an addiction, and I could not budget. This letter that I wrote was simply to release me and to release him. So if I never got the chance to say those things, uh, I had taken this chance to do that.
2: Now let's talk about the forgiveness part, mm. okay? Because everything you just said, I think people are confused about what forgiveness really is, who mm. it's for. <laughs> you know, if when you said you were so full of anger that you mm. knew you had to get help. Yes. Um Anger, whether you go outward with it or inward, which sounds like you went inward a lot with it. You just really held it inside, didn't know what to do with it. And then maybe it started coming out?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I started to become very irritable and just uncomfortable in his presence. Was that anxiety
2: or was it, was it clearly anger? I think it was clearly, <laughs> it was clearly anger. anger.
3: I think I'd had enough and I began to pull back from him Uh and at that time, I said, well, I'm not going to live my life in this place. I have got to seek some kind of help, somebody who can help me process this information, because I didn't want to just uh, survive. I wanted to
2: thrive. And it's very mature of you to know that, to know that, because, so, you know, people don't really realize that it's about just getting free. Mm-hmm. And, and it really doesn't take that long in the span of things. Um, Life Enrichment Boot Camp actually spends four days uh, just helping them forgive and to get free, mm-hmm. right? And so it's um, intense, but mainly what forgiveness does is it frees you from all that anger inside. Yes. And that the book I mentioned before, Deadly Emotions, talks about that, mm-hmm. that when you take emotions that are just stuffed in you or that you don't know what to do with all the bad emotions. Mm -hmm. And they're in there. They slowly break your body down. Yes. And so they can make you so sick. And you don't realize you're holding in anger. You don't realize you're carrying the anger Mm -hmm. until you're until you really forgive. Mm -hmm. And you a lot of people want to forgive, but they don't realize how easy it is just to let it go. Yeah. And it's you letting it go. And it doesn't necessarily change what you do with with the person That's or right. how you treat them or anything after that. Mm-hmm. It's only about how you feel inside. Mm-hmm. And so you went through that work to just get free of that and to let that go. And then also really hoping that your dad would be able to realize you've let it go and let that free him, that you, that you don't carry that anger and, and maybe him let go of that burden. Well, what do you think? I had no idea how he would... Um
3: how he would use that information. In fact, when once I gave him the letter, I never heard anything back. Ever? Ever? No, never. Um and he didn't talk to my mother about it. It was simply it was like I had just tossed it into the
2: air. And that was fine. It uh, is fine. It's because for you you were you were really good. And some people don't send the letters. Some people just having the letter music from afar. Um Writing it out uh, frees them. Yes. And so I, I've, I've often had people say, I said, if you don't feel like you need to send it, then don't send it. No. A lot of people don't send it or they bury it and some people burn it, whatever. Right, right. right. Um, so that's awesome. That for you really was a turning point in your life? Well, it certainly freed me up to have a better
3: relationship with other people in my life because I knew I wanted to – and move along and have a, a good marriage and I wanted to have children and I didn't want to carry this with me and people are smart I mean I've always given people a lot of credit
2: and you know giving people a lot of credit is um really good because I think a lot of people don't realize that uh people are a lot smarter than they believe mm-hmm. about what's going on inside you mm-hmm. and um and also trusting. You know, I, what I was wondering is when you let go of the anger, mm-hmm. um, because keeping anger in, um, it a lot of people, the whole point, which they don't realize, is to protect them from any future harm. If they remember the anger, then dad won't harm you anymore or maybe mm. any no one else will harm you either. Mm. Right. So my real question is, were you able to trust more and be more open than after you forgave your dad?
3: Yes. You know, our lives are interwoven, both the joy and the pain. And that's, it's a good point that you make because you must process the pain to feel the joy. And so the more I got this out, the more I said the truth, the more joy that I was able to receive from the relationships around me. And that was just the byproduct of getting real and squaring up with that pain
2: that is wonderful. It, it really is the byproduct of letting that go. And, mm-hmm. and I think if people, that's why I wanted you to go through how you did that. Mm-hmm. Because yours is pretty amazing in so many ways that you are so joyful now. You know, and we, I know that's part of what your book is about. Uh-huh. Um, but also, you got your degrees in the behavioral area, uh-huh. um, and so you were able to kind of delve into learning more about all that, and uh-huh. so I just wanted to have you really pass on what happened to you. Now, I noticed you were so privileged to let me, I was, I was so privileged to get uh. excerpts from your book
3: huh.
2: that's coming out, and um, you talk a lot in it about your your dad. His, a lot of wonderful things you did with your dad, mm-hmm. um, the beach, and, and all these really great things. And um, how you even see in your kids your dad, the, the, a lot of things about your dad. Yes. And so it's a really wonderful story. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you say a little bit about that?
3: Well, it's a gift. I mean, God uh, did not take from me fully. And that's because he had so much mercy for me. And so I think God understands how fragile we really are. And so um, He gave me these children. And when my son was born, I looked at his legs and I thought, "Oh my goodness, hello George. That's my dad's name." Were they spindly legs?
2: Tall? What were they? They were. Yes, yes. They were.
3: They were very thin and very small ankles. My dad <laughs> said he would have to wear several pairs of socks just to, you know, kind of
2: <laughs> fill out
3: that area. But it was just, hello, George. And then, of course, now uh, it's just evolving, these different mannerisms that he has. And he could have never really picked that up from my dad in the three months that their uh, paths crossed. But, you know, he'll put his hands behind his neck and lean back and cross his legs. And he's just got this quirky sense of cool. And I just, um, I notice it and David notices it. And we just, we celebrate that. It's like, what a gift to get to have a piece of this, to have this carry on. And, you know, we choose to to talk about who my dad was and what he did. Um, at the end of his life, he was very active in the church, and he was an usher at Stonebriar. And so that was really kind of his area of hospitality. Mm-hmm. And um, so Grant and I dress up for church and we are greeters as well. And so, you know, we. I actually wrote a little book uh, for Grant about this is your granddaddy and this is where he was, you know, born and raised. And uh, these were his interests. And this is a picture of him with your grandmother. And the wonderful things that you need to know about his life are.
2: Well, and I, I think that... Um When you let go of the anger and the burden of the bad things about your parents, Mm -hmm. um, you can embrace all the good things. Yeah. And one of, I mean, you are such a great writer reading the story about your dad and taking you out to the beach and all the things that you guys did together. Mm -hmm. And it was such a wonderful dad-daughter story that most daughters would think, oh, I'd love a dad like that. And so it looks like in your book, you're able so much to embrace all those wonderful things about your dad the, and, and his incredible work ethic and his impeccable dress and mm. just so many things about him moving up the corporate ladder and mm. how he was so successful in so many ways that a lot of, you know, a person's weakness can kind of as children as we grow we see the weaknesses and they're glaring to us right Mm. and they can kind of overshadow Mm. everything so it's so wonderful that you were able to let that go and be able to really embrace all the good that your dad brought you and so when we get back from break i really want to go more into the good Mm. and um and just how so many celebrations were there because of that yes and so we'll be right back right after break
0: Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
2: Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, be the star you are. Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific,
1: 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. How do you achieve balance in your life? Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other, time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with KD Marley, which is made up of two people kmar and d lee the hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage the show can help you too listen fridays at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show.
2: Welcome back to Living Well with Ann Beal. We just got back for uh, Jenny. To talk about uh, all the celebrations that happened with um, really embracing the good in her dad. And, um, and then also all the celebration that comes out of the children. Yes. We actually have emails. Do you I want to go into the emails yet about people's questions um, about your dad? Um, they, they just say yes, you would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, heavens. Uh, Yeah, let's give it a whirl. (laughs) Why not? Okay. I don't think I have a choice. (laughs) One of the things
2: that they wanted to know is um, you did talk a lot about your dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that it's a fact that dads with daughters, Mm. that the dads have so much more of an impact on us. Oh, a tremendous impact. And so that was their question. Do you believe that your dad had much more, because you did talk about your dad, and mom really didn't come up much, um, that mom, not that mom didn't impact you at all, Okay. okay, but that dad, your dad, is really more who defined you?
3: Well, I think as children, we're able to sense who it is we're most similar to. And... I think I saw that in my dad. You know, we had this great love for the water and good music and and dancing and laughing hard. And so I saw pieces of myself, and I knew he was just, you know, a strong drop of DNA. Uh, (laughs) And so I, I really liked to be in his presence and I cherished it and I relished in it and I wanted to have a relationship with him and so it sounds many times lopsided when of course my mother cared for me she right. took me to church and she was faithful and um of course she has had a huge impact on me as a woman and even more so now that my dad is gone uh, you know we have a different relationship now and she's I'm finding that I like dishes now, and that is something that I would have never guessed, but, you know, my mom has actually had an influence
2: on what I like, and now I like dishes. Okay, so Dr. Jenny Easton loves, likes dishes. Dishes. So explain this. Yeah, well, I just,
3: you know, I always liked the things my dad liked, and now for Christmas I've asked for dishes. And so I'm becoming, you know, maternal.
2: And, uh, okay. So your dad didn't like dishes. No. It's your mom
3: that likes <laughs> I was like, dad liked dishes. <laughs> like, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, I kind of went on my own track there.
2: Yeah. Well, and, um, I was wondering about the impact of your dad mm-hmm. on when you, t- you know, in your book, when you talk about his incredible work ethic yes. and his impeccable attire. And, yes. um, he just moved up the corporate ladder. Yes. Right. Um, what other things did you talk about that were so impeccable that he just moved up that corporate ladder so quickly?
3: Well, my dad did not
2: live his life using an emotional
3: compass. He used, he was a principle faced guy and he did what was right. And he seemed to be able to boil down any situation and come up with a perfect solution quickly. He was great in crisis. I I truly use him as a bookmark or a reference every day in raising my children. Really?
2: That's quite a blessing right there to say that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because he didn't do a lot of talking. But if he got out of his chair and moved towards you, there was a problem. (laughs) So, you know, there wasn't a a ton of extra with Dad. Mm -hmm. and. There's not a ton of extra with with me and the kids, of course I trained them and and raised them and, and talked to them probably more than he did with me. but I take action, and so i I use his principled set of beliefs every day of my
2: life. It's interesting that um, you have said three times in the last two segments that um your dad wasn't maybe paying attention to you as much as he would you would have wanted him to. Sure. Um, sure. And, and so many daughters have that issue that their dads are moving up the corporate ladder, um, trying to cope with their pain mm-hmm. uh, in unhealthy mm-hmm. ways, maybe, um, and distracted, mm-hmm. uh, maybe obsessed with work or whatever, but they're yes. distracted and the daughters are not getting That one-on-one attention—you just took a very deep breath, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so you Mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about. I do. And so, when you uh, in the forgiveness, that was a part of that, wasn't it?
3: Yes. Um, I I had wished for much more. You know, I do talk in the book about special times that we had, but to be completely honest, they were few and far between. Right. And my dad traveled. Uh, He was gone during the week. So when he came home on the weekend, I thought, ah, this will be catch-up time for us. And it really wasn't. It was only these family vacations that we took once a year. And so I just, like I said before, I just relished in those moments. But I needed more. (laughs) I wanted more. Um, But in the end, I have to accept that he did the best that he could with what he knew and the circumstance he was given. And I also have to accept that God is (laughs) more fiercely fathering me than my own father. And so where there were gaps in my father's parenting, there were also provisions. I had a grandfather who was just adorable. And if I said I was sick, he would come pick me up at school Let me lay down at his house for two hours, and then all of a sudden, the Uno cards would be out. (laughs) And so he was a bridge for me, and I think that we need to pay attention to that because we don't always get what we want in the way that we want it. But God makes sure that our needs
2: are met, and so I'm grateful for that. Well, and it's very important for men to realize that with daughters especially the the moments that they 're with them are so important, even if they 're feeling far between, mm-hmm. because they 're so memorable mm-hmm. and it and they 're more memorable the more farther between it is mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, because it is such a good time it 's going to be and because it doesn 't happen very often it 's even more memorable you will remember all of it right right and so um, but I do think it 's really important that God that you understand that. People can fill that gap other I have moms you know ask me questions about Dad being gone so much mm-hmm. um and you know make suggestions about other men um like a boy scout leader or a baseball team coach, things like that to get them involved with other men mm-hmm. and other family members like mm-hmm. with for you mm-hmm. so that that has been um but it's interesting because there are things about you. That because you did not have that time and your grandfather took the place, I mean, you are not an exact replica of your dad by any means. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of wonderful things that came out of being with your dad, not just his good qualities, but also because of the things you didn't get mm. that you're giving to your children
3: yes. and that you
2: give to other people, I notice, you know, and your passion to get all this written down. And, you know, there's, um, there's that tension of the opposites, you know, since we didn't have one thing, it makes us really feel strongly in the opposite direction mm-hmm. to do that. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um I wanted to get into a little bit of the infertility. You you spoke um a little bit about can you su- like kind of I know it's really hard for you mm-hmm. to kind of summarize sure. what you went through? with the infertility for people. Yes, I'd much rather
3: summarize it than (laughs) go through it line by line, to be honest with you. Um, You know, David and I tried to have a family, and it took us four years. And during that time, we went through three in vitro cycles. And eggs were recruited and fertilized and frozen. And we lost many babies during that time. But in the end, the answer um, that led to us having, you know, children to care for um was having a surrogate that would carry we had two different surrogates one for each of our children and they carried our children as if they were their their own but they are the biological children of david and myself and so now we have a boy and a girl um after many years of just not knowing which way this was going to going to swing and um we have Received that blessing. So, how old are they now? Six and a half, and
2: two and a half. They're so cute. I saw their pictures this morning. They're so adorable. Thank you. How would you? Is is that where when you talk about coming out of the depression? Mm-hmm. Um, is is that the situation that got you so down? Was the the um, not having the kids, of course, but the struggle for the four and a half years of going through all of the medical in vitro, and with all the embryos frozen, just everything, to be able to have these children and it not being successful. Do you think that's where you got so down?
3: Well, it certainly wasn't uh, <laughs> something that was an encouragement to lose and fail and wonder and wait. Um, and that's really what it was. It was not my favorite time of life, but also... I say that and I and I can tell you too that I have really great memories of times when I was walking around the neighborhood at night and it was dark and I was talking out loud to the Lord and just pleading with him and and reminding him again of my situation and getting back uh whether it be at that moment or or days later a response from him uh just the realization that he was with me on this journey. And so, uh, you know, the depression that I talk about primarily followed my dad's death uh, because grief is unlike anything I have ever encountered.
2: And so so more than it, you know, you thought that you and somewhat grieved, were grieving mm-hmm. with the, the loss of the, the, the miscarriages. Yeah. But it was nothing like the grief of when your father died. There was nothing like that, no. Okay. So let me just ask you some questions. We had people who emailed about the okay. infertility. And okay. I just sure. want to throw some. Some of them have just shared it just with some really nice things. Um, yeah. So one lady wrote in, society in general uh, is generally very family-centric and a large <laughs> um amount of value is placed on parenting and being a parent. It feels very dismissive to those who don't yet have children and are struggling to have them or choose not to have them, like you did, to go through a surrogate, Mm -hmm. or people who just choose not to have them, Mm -hmm. or have that choice made for them that they can't, Mm -hmm. um, or even financially not be able to Mm -hmm. pay for all the in vitro. I sometimes feel as though I'm not living up to my full potential, as seen by others. Um, and she put some comments. You'll know once you have children, everything is different once you have kids. And my life felt so empty until I had children. Just a few comments I've endured, and it makes me feel I'm not as valued as someone with children. Am I not a contributing member of society, a taxpayer, a career woman, a daughter, a wife, a friend? I'm tired of being considered a second-class citizen. Mm. And... um. And so did you feel any of those things as you went along? I can understand
3: much of what she says because the comments that people make unintentionally sting. Oh, they sting. And I didn't want them to. I wanted to celebrate everybody's everything, everybody's pregnancy, everybody's baby shower. I wanted to be in there giving gifts and cheering. And there came a point where I I had to shut that down. I did it long enough, and then I just had to kind of pull back from that because it was very, very hurtful. But it, it is interesting that there is a standard you know that uh, or a protocol or uh, a set of life events that you're supposed to go through in order to to have lived life fully, and yes. we know that's not true that God has a different plan for each of us, and some of us will marry and some of us will have children, and some of us will have our own and some of us uh will adopt and so I think the main um, the main piece of this. That I would encourage her to look at is, what are the things that God has called you to do that you get great joy out of? Because He created you to have that joy,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, that is really where you contribute. Is when you have that joy, it's like what's that um, book or, or show about the runners where they? He said God made me fast, and when I when I run. Uh, it's chariots of fire. Chariots of fire. Yeah. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Right. Yes. And so, you know, that's what I would say to her is, you know, where do you feel God's pleasure? What is it that you do? Um, that and, and to run with that. Yeah. To run
2: to that. Yes. yes. And yes. I, I, that kind of brings us into the, uh, the next email, which says, the future we can't have. Um, mm-hmm. it says, um, basically grieving the future that we can't have. Yes, I understand And it says, when I was grieving the fact that I would never have children, I often admonished myself for what I felt was this self-centered grief. Then I saw this quote, the most painful state of being is remembering the future, one that you can never have. That was Kierkegaard. She quoted Kierkegaard. Mm. It reminded me that I had lost something and that it was okay to grieve. Oddly, that validation made me feel better too. So if you're grieving now, just know that we know it hurts and that it's okay to grieve.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a saying, and I I may not get it just right, but it says we must be willing to get rid of the life we planned so as um, to embrace the life that is waiting for us. And I think that might be true in this case. I understand that grief I grieved when I would look at my husband and look at his face and want to have kids that looked just like him. I grieved when I saw other people with their kids on their hips singing praise songs in church. I grieved, I grieved, I grieved. And there was no end to that sadness.
2: And I wanted to talk a little about that because Christmas time, yes. maybe they talk about it being a family time and you know, you see a lot of people with their children and buying Christmas presents and it yes. being just this wonderful time. And so these people at Christmas, it can be very hard for them. Yes. And so um, we are going to go to break. And as soon as we get back, we're going to talk about how husbands deal with grief. Because I did get a comment about what a lady said her husband said mm-hmm. about <laughs> mm-hmm. that. Anyway, we'll get into it. It's kind of funny. So we will come back right after our commercial break mm-hmm. and um, get into the last segment with Dr. Jenny Easton.
1: Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Absurd Psychology, Straight Answers Without All the Bold, hosted by Dr. Gary Bell. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
3: Mothers and daughters have a unique relationship. There are trying times and loving times. There is joy and there can be heartache. Listen for Communicating from the Heart, the Empowered Mother-Daughter Relationship. Your hosts are Elizabeth Lutz along with her daughters, Danielle and Melissa Schoeniger. Come with them as they share an open and honest discussion to help mothers and daughters everywhere strengthen and support their own relationships. Listen Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment.
1: Listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show.
2: Welcome back to Living Well. We are in our last segment with Dr. Jenny Easton, and we are coming back after talking about um, emails that we got about people who had their comments about grieving the loss of not being able to have uh-huh. children, and Jenny was talking about that. Um, we had one more email, that, uh-huh. and it's funny, and so I don't, I, I mean, it's funny to me because it talks about uh, men, basically. Uh-huh. And she said, um, you know, with this lady's talking about her grief, um when i was when you're stripped raw with grief it's easier uh i think to see yourself and others more clearly i needed to do this so she talks about going into really seeing what was happening to her grieving and she said she didn't shy away from it though i'm not sure i could have mm-hmm. i i really did try to not think about it and be strong um, she said, but I have to say, I'm sure that you, I have quoted my husband in the past. So I want to say this to you. When he said to me, you don't understand. I'm a man. And if we don't want to think about something, then we don't. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I was jealous of him at this time. If only I could do that. But I couldn't. And um, so she was basically, you know, men can Compartmentalized and they don't, you know, women, it's like all we put a, everything all together, all our thoughts in every way, all day long, right? right. Seems like men can go to work and th- they think about work and they come home and they, they can just separate everything. Mm. Did, so when we think about your husband, mm-hmm. um, how do you think he grieved versus how you grieved? That'd be a good question for, for him. him. <laughs> I know it's too
3: bad <laughs> Honestly, he's not here. Honestly, I, I hate to answer for him, but I can tell you he grieved. So you could tell he was grieving. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what man who loves his woman uh, looks at her and sees the situation and is not completely broken because men want to fix it? And he couldn't fix it. He couldn't do anything. And um, he was as supportive as he could be. I mean, there weren't a lot of things to say. I mean, he helped me with the protocol as we went through the, the um, infertility. But definitely... He grieved this. And he wanted these children as much as I did. And
2: Was it different from you? You know, I mean, um, because men do grieve differently usually. Um, so I was just wondering if it looked different than yours. I think he just had
3: um, just kind of a backdrop of sad in his life.
2: Did he function better than you with it? They function
3: differently. I mean, women are, are emotional, <laughs> right? Yes. So uh, I grieved louder, if you will. I yes, cried more. Louder. Um, And I was more active. But that's our personalities as well. You know, if if I was really hurting over something, one of the things that I did was I took off outside. And like I said, when it was dark, I would just walk. And I'd walk until I, you know, felt like I was done talking. That's good. And so Which is
2: part of really how you coped with it. You yeah. got out and
3: just talked to God and just talked to God. And I and I I would encourage other people to cast this out. Uh, you know, something you said in one of those emails is still um, resonating with me. And I I would want to tell that woman that God sees your pain. God sees your pain. And so I would Just in these times, it's so critical how you deal with this, that you would go back to the one who created you, uh, the one who formed and established you, and
2: start asking him the questions. Right. Which I think is so important to be able to do that, Mm -hmm. Um, to be like, (laughs) you would do it different for me, Mm -hmm. I guess. But Mm -hmm. for me, it's like, you know, in the Bible, Job had it out, and Moses had it out with God, and I just welcome that. I'm just like, okay, Mm God... um, you need to show me something here. I really need to see something because yes. I'm truly not understanding yes. anything like that.
3: Yes. And, you know, I kind of—I have a story that supports that. David and I took a trip down to the beach years ago while all of this was going on, and we kind of got lost. I'm not going to say we got lost because men don't get lost, right? But we kind of got lost <laughs> around my dad's hometown in Senton. Uh, Texas. It's very small little blip on the map. And so David pulled off the road and there was a cotton crop. And he said, Jenny, do you know what that is? And I said, No, I don't. Because sadly enough, there's like major pieces of my brain that I'm missing. It's just sad. Like, I know a lot a, a of memory.
2: Or, or <laughs>
3: well, memory and just knowledge. Just basic knowledge. Oh, okay. you know. Okay. He said, Do you know what that is? And I said, No, I don't know what that is. And he said, That's a cotton crop. I said, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Right. And he said, Well, would you like some cotton? And I thought, Well, that's kind of stealing. That's what I thought. <laughs> but I said, Well, okay. Let's do it because he's interested. So we we got this piece of, well, it was a hard shell. And inside is the cotton. Most people will know this, I'm sure. But I spent 30 minutes engrossed in taking the seeds out of the cotton until Mm. I had the purest cotton ball.
2: Because that is not easy. And I think a lot of people don't know what a cotton crop looks like unless they're from Arkansas or Texas or somewhere around here. And the seeds are very small.
3: Very small and
2: intertwined,
3: intertangled in this piece of cotton. And so there I was, just this very small, shy smile on my face thinking, who in the world will I give this to? The purest piece of cotton after all of the seeds are removed. And then I knew immediately, I'll give it to my dad. I will give my dad a pure piece of cotton from his hometown after all of the seeds are removed. And so I was walking around the neighborhood a couple weeks later. I actually did give the cotton ball to my dad. He didn't really get it. but <laughs> he, didn't get it. No, he didn't get it. But that's okay because it wasn't about the person getting the gift. It was about the heart of the gift giver. My heart was to give him something pure. And so as I was walking around the neighborhood, I was doing what we had talked about. I was talking to the Lord. I was casting this out. And I said, Lord, do you know how this feels to be looked at and probed? And for people to talk about you as if there is nothing good in you. Do you know how that feels, God? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm tired of it. I'm worn out. I'm over the edge on this infertility. And it came to me. Not a voice, but it came to me. And it was as if the Lord said to me, Yes, Jenny, I do. Do you remember that cotton ball? And I said, Yes, Lord, I do. And he said, Well, That's my heart towards you. I want to give you the purest gift after all the seeds are removed. And in 2008, that's exactly what he did. My dad was sober and present for a long-awaited son who was delivered to me after years of no's. And so for these people who are writing in and these people who are listening, I would tell you the answer is yes, yes to your best, yes to God knowing all about it, yes to God removing the seeds and waiting for his perfect
2: time, yes to that, yes to waiting. So for you, The Purest Joy, which is the name of your book, that you're coming out with, has a lot to do with that. Because I can tell all the symbolism. Mm-hmm. I didn't get all of the book. only had excerpts. That was very, very mm-hmm. good of you to do that. And so that is where that whole idea came from then. The what purest
3: gift. The purest yes. gift. The purest gift. No, that's okay. Yeah, it's the, pu- the purest gift. Right. Because God longs to give us the purest gifts. That is His heart towards us. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be full of joy and able to receive that.
2: That's his his wish
3: for us. That's his
2: hope. I think that people want that, you know, and I think for them clearly being able to, you know, have tools to know how to do that. You being able to walk and talk or write it out to mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. Um, to just get it all out. And I think that if you do believe that God created you mm-hmm. and He's in control, right, mm-hmm. which yes. is like, then you go, oh, okay, well, if He's in control, then this is all His fault, in a way, mm-hmm. and, or He has me here mm-hmm. for a specific reason, so, okay, Lord can you give me some insight about that <laughs> and let me know, like, you know, what we can't see, and I, I think the road is more like um, that He has us on, it's dark, and we, our headlights only go so far, yes. and uh, they tell us the road goes from New York to California, though it's all curvy and U-turns and all that, and we just can't see. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I ask is, Lord, can you turn the lights on? I just Mm -hmm. really need to see. I need to see. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to show me all of it, just show me what's next. Give Mm -hmm. me a lot more insight than you're giving me now. And when I look at your life, see, it's so easy for me to look at other people's life and just see the treasure that's come from all the things that have happened to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm very aware of... The hardship in a person's life creates this incredible abundance of um, treasure and knowledge and just these great character traits. Because I look at you and you're very mm. high character. I don't know mm. how you feel. You're a high character. You're a moral. You're a loving. You're a giving, compassionate, you. caring person. But you're also a PhD. I mean, you're very functional. You love your family. You're a writer. Um, and you have so much to offer. And if you go back and you look at the path that you've been on, you just kept moving from where you were being led and you've come to this incredible place where you have so much to offer now to so many people, your family, um, even your mom, you know, and which you were talking about earlier and uh, friends and church and you have this very full life now. And I know if you hadn't been through all those things, you wouldn't be where you are now, of course. And so uh, that is just um, to me, the purest gift is knowing you and knowing about you and what you are doing in the world now, uh-huh. in light of everything God's made you and so in the middle, all of it, people you know that are in that when a lot of people were very attracted to our talk uh-huh. um, because um you've been through quite a bit of things, but the infertility and all that, when you talked about that in the last show, and if anybody (laughs) hasn't heard that, Mm -hmm. you want to go back because you were very, very detailed about the embryos and the Mm -hmm. hydrogen freezing and, I mean, all of that, Um, and the six, you know, implants of the embryos being implanted but not working, Mm -hmm. and so just that struggle, um, I hadn't heard it put like that before, and people just normally... They don't go into all that if they say they had tried or they, well, sure. you know, they really just don't. And I think maybe because it's too painful or maybe they think people won't be interested. But it was. Yeah, it's hard to follow. The, I, oh, my gosh. Not when you explained it. It was very incredible. Oh. And so I had people going, OK, she's going to talk more, right? She's going to go on and tell us what came out of that. Well, you know, what came <laughs> out of
3: it is I have two children who walk and talk And tumble around this world. And, you know, my father passed away. And my mother was alone. And sitting at Chili's in a booth by herself eating. And another man was sitting alone, just awkwardly across from her in his own booth. And he said, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? She goes, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And they were obviously both single. And they met, and he said, well, you know, I work at the uh, frozen yogurt shop down on Main Street. And she said, no, I didn't. He said, anytime you want ice cream, if, if you want any, you can come by. And so then two weeks later, Mom said, well, Jenny... I think I'd like some ice cream. And so she went on by, and they began talking. She has since uh, remarried. We sold her house. We sold his house. We bought them a new house. She lives two streets over. Uh, These children are her great joy. And he, as I told you before, there's always a provision. Always a provision. There's always a provision. And this man has high character. And he loves my children as if. They were his grandchildren, and we we say that they are. Uh, so, and many times I think you know, Dad got to heaven, and he began asking for
2: the highest and best man to fill his shoes. Well, and that's another blessing in your life, truly. Oh, yes, I want to let people know how they can reach you again. Yes, with all the contact information. Can you go over it again yeah. for them? Well, a lot of people use Twitter. Um,
3: especially in the in Christian communities. And so I'm Jenny Easton. It's J-E-N-N-I-E-A-S-T-I-N. And uh, that's my handle. And then, of course, my website is JennyEaston.com, spelled the same way. Um,
2: so... They can reach you that way. Mm -hmm. And Jenny, J E N N I, Easton is the real key because I spelled it wrong. It's with an I and not an O. Yeah. And so E S T I N. Okay. Wonderful. And then your book, The Purest Gift, will be coming out. And so we just want to thank you so much for coming on again. Thank you. And um, I will send you the emails that come in so you can maybe answer them yourself if all you would like to do that. Sure. And I just want to thank you so much for listening to us today on Living Well and um, just enjoying Dr. Jenny Easton's experience and sharing all her successes and how she's come through such a wonderful life. Um, and we hope that you benefited from it today. And we will enjoy you coming back next week for a new show of Living Well. This is Ann Beale. Have a great week.